Green Teacher's main office is located on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabek, Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, and Mississauga peoples. This territory is covered by the Williams Treaty. You know, we're living in a climate emergency, which is getting worse every year. Students don't necessarily know how to best set themselves up for an impactful career. They don't know how the job market will look in five to ten years. And as of right now, a lot of students aren't necessarily getting the guidance they need to figure all of that out. As a young person and, and looking for guidance, often we don't even really know what skills are needed or what the names of them are or, you know, even mm. having the language to search for these types of things. What are the essentials that educators and counselors need to know about helping youth explore the environmental field? communications, graphic design, like those are programs where you can actually get a very good green job helping an organization with their communications and social media. Yeah, I mean, making an impact is not a unicorn. It's very real. It's very grounded. And not, not to pick on unicorns, National Mammal of <laughs> Scotland. Fun fact. <laughs> testing, testing. Hey, I'm Ian. And I'm Sophia. And welcome to Talking with Green Teachers. This is the Environmental Education Podcast, where we discuss recent developments, big ideas, and creative approaches to teaching green. In this episode... There's so many different roles in the environmental movement, and I think artists can, you know, being an artist can be a green job. And I, I just think that that's the kind of out-of-the-box thinking we need to think about, because we don't need just, you know, the infrastructure. We also need the capacity to even envision a better future and art can really help us with that. It's so true because if we're envisioning a different future, if we don't have something to show people... This summer, GenSat climate justice advocate Sabrina Guzman Skotnitsky sent us a detailed report she had written for the Canadian Council for Youth Prosperity, or CCYP, titled Build Back Better Expanding Green Jobs for Youths Post Pandemic. The report highlights the gaps and opportunities that exist for youths in the green economy. In chatting with Sabrina, it became clear that there was much more to discuss. So we decided to arrange a roundtable discussion featuring Sabrina and two fellow Gen Z changemakers, Kelsey Brazil of Efficiency Canada and Brennan Strandberg-Salmon of the British Columbia Council for International Cooperation, or BCCIC. This is the first half of the roundtable, where the panel defines green jobs discusses how educators and career counselors can better support youths and implores everyone to think outside the box when it comes to green jobs. Though much of the discussion is focused on Canada, you will hear many insights that apply globally. So today we are talking about green jobs, and I think it is prudent to start by defining a green job. So on page 9 of the CCYP report, I quote, Interview participant Hadrian Mertens Kirkwood of the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives wants us to focus less on if the work reduces carbon emissions 
and more on if the job is compatible with a low-carbon economy and society. There's a lot in there, so let's unpack that. Sabrina, you wrote the report, so naturally we will start with you. Yeah, I really love that you highlight this quote because Hadrian is the uh, lead for climate policy at the head office, like the national office for the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. So it was really amazing to be able to talk to him because he handles a whole portfolio related to climate action and policy in Canada and also international trade, I believe, is involved there. So I really appreciated this quote from him because uh, that's really what I think gets down to it. Like a lot of people who feel like green jobs are very narrow, it's because they associate it with, okay, it has to directly reduce carbon emissions. It has to, you know, directly reduce like greenhouse gases, stuff like that. And I really want people to think about how work can indirectly contribute to environmental benefits. Uh, but also transition us to this climate just future that we want to see. And I think it really helps to think about it in terms of the sustainable development goals. So the sustainable development goals are a way more holistic way of thinking about sustainability. We're not just talking about the environment. We're talking about healthcare. We're talking about gender equality. We're talking about education. We're talking about all the aspects that make a sustainable and prosper a prosperous society. And when we talk about transitioning, we need a lot of people to help transition. We don't need just people who mm. are going to build solar panels or build wind turbines. We also need people who are educators, who are working in healthcare, janitors, even if you think of an outdoor recreational therapist, I think of that actually as a green job, but other people might think of that as elder care. So really it's just all the roles that really help our society move forward, uh, but also are inherently less carbon intensive. So jobs that like childcare, those are very labor intensive, which means you're not using as much energy and thus you're not using like fossil fuels. So uh, one thing that Hadrian spoke about is that actually these jobs are inherently low carbon because they are labor intensive. And I think that's really interesting orientation to take. And we'll get in later about how it's not just STEM. And I think we should say at the, at the beginning here, in no way are we pitting one side against the other. It's not, yeah. uh, it's not that we're talking against building solar panels or wind turbines. Of course, those are critical parts of the shift, but it's taking this more holistic view, which that certainly stood out for me when I read the report. Anything in addition that you want to add? Uh, start with Kelsey. Yeah. I mean, I think this quote is really, really nice to reflect on for a couple of reasons. One being sort of what Sabrina is saying around green jobs being almost this blanket over all of our roles that exist. I, I think that that holistic piece is, I mean, it resonates with me for sure. And you see a lot of young activists now really understanding that where our approach to climate justice isn't just, you know, your, your technical jobs and things like that. It's thinking about social justice. It's thinking about a lot of different pieces within our society and also, I think the way that this quote kind of frames green jobs, it's almost, it's a bit more welcoming and inviting. It's, it's, not, it's not asking people, you know, you stay in your lane with the green jobs and I'll do my job. It's kind of right. um, inviting folks in. So I, I do, yeah, it just resonated with me. So. And Brennan. Yeah, thanks. I, I definitely agree 100% that we should 
be widening the definition of what a green job can be because uh, you know all environmental and social problems that we face are interdisciplinary by nature and require expertise from all disciplines and sectors. And um, so, yeah, from my perspective, almost anything um, can be turned into a green job. It's, it's any job that has a positive impact on the environment, either directly or indirectly. And for any job or career pathway, like even, you know, law, engineering, planning, healthcare, policy, et cetera, you can shape it so it can have an environmental or green element to it. Um, and I also believe that we should widen the definition because we really, as mentioned, we need all hands on deck for the green transition, not just those who are considered to be in the conventional green or environmental sector. So uh, yeah, it's important that all jobs, uh, roles and functions kind of incorporate that, that green element to them. And pivoting from that, each of you are involved in the green economy. And starting with Kelsey, what have you learned from your own career trajectory or experiences working in green jobs or beginning to enter this field? Mm -hmm. I don't know. When I think back to when, even when I was thinking about school, I always knew, like, the word sustainability always felt, like, very important to me. And I remember, like, telling people what I was going to school for, which was community design and sustainability. And there were a lot of kind of reactions of like, well, what are you going to, like, what kind of job are you going to do with that? Like there, people didn't necessarily understand the pathway, but I think for me, what made sense was leading with my values maybe, and knowing that that was something that was important to me and that I would kind of just figure it out afterwards. So that was me going into school. Coming out of school, I think what I realized was similar to what we were just speaking about was that green jobs were kind of like, I, I could see it in, in some of the other things that I was doing. So for instance, I loved working with kids and I, and I realized that you know, environmental education was something that I was good at, something that I was interested in, but then I loved working with kids and I think what I learned was, you know, you can sort of marry those things that you care about, that you're good at, and and the green job aspect kind of follows if that's sort of innately the place that you're coming from at the beginning. I don't know if that if that totally makes sense, but yeah, that that's sort of how I how I approached it. Yeah, I mean, I think it sort of falls in line with this idea that if you tell the universe what you want to be doing, things will stick to you. And some people believe that more than others, but it sounds like that sort of approach certainly worked for you. Yeah, I think so. How about you, Sabrina? Yeah, I, I really resonate with, uh, yeah, when you put your values or intentions out there that things kind of fall into place when you're very aligned in that. Um, it's very interesting for me. I, my degree was in international development studies which very similarly, people were like, how are you going to get a job out of that? <laughs> uh, and also a lot of people just didn't understand what it was. They were like, oh, so you're going to work for the UN or like, what, what does that mean? And even within the field of international development it is so broad. And so I really was able to find my place in kind of researching the intersection of environment and development or climate change and development um, and looking at climate justice, both within Canada, but like broadly between countries and kind of like 
how different countries, you know, contribute to climate change in different ways. Um, and also like the differential responsibility countries have in uh, contributing to solutions uh, yes. around climate change. And that was really inspiring or not, in well, it was inspiring, but also sometimes it was very heartbreaking <laughs> uh, to learn mm. about how much we, especially in the West have contributed disproportionately to climate change that doesn't affect us as intensely as it does to many other countries. Uh, mm -hmm. But as far as my career trajectory, one of the big things was just exploring a lot of different types of roles. And what was interesting is, is that all of these roles pretty much were for environmental organizations, but they were kind of doing different things, but all with kind of more of a social people facing kind of role. So for example, like my first job was doing like communications and promotions for a, a small charity here in uh, Vancouver. And then I was doing membership engagement for one in Nova Scotia. And then I was, you know, doing information and I was like, so it was like a lot of different kind of roles, but they were all contributing to the environmental organization being able to accomplish their mission. And so that's kind of part of what inspired this whole research was because people who might just look at my title without looking at the organization might think that's not a green job, uh, you know, like being an information communications manager, that's not a green job. Being a membership mm -hmm. and community outreach coordinator, that's not a green job. But both of those were for environmental organizations. And I was helping them get new funding. I was helping them get members. I was helping them, um, you know, raise awareness about their campaigns, get more people to show up to actions, all things that I think are really important. Another thing I would say uh, that I've learned is really being adaptable and kind of like figuring out both your niche, but like, what you actually enjoy doing, uh, what you enjoy doing and what you're good at. You know, when you try to find those that kind of like a Venn diagram, I think yep. there's like that term <laughs> Ikigai, which is like all about finding like your purpose. And I think people think there's only one way or only a very few ways you can contribute or participate in the environmental movement. But really, I found that there's such an array of ways you can. And it's kind of learning how you can best use your own skills and passion to contribute. And we'll certainly get into some of those pathways later on in the discussion. Talking with Green Teachers is produced by Green Teacher, a registered charity in Canada that has been enhancing environmental education since 1986. By taking out a subscription, you can join our global network of passionate environmental educators, receive each issue of our quarterly magazine, and gain exclusive access to our vast archive of webinars and magazine back issues. All proceeds go back into the organization to support our vision of helping each successive generation of young learners become more environmentally literate than the last. To learn more, visit greenteacher.com. For those in the know, there's lots of reason for excitement as we shift toward a greener economy. One of the main reasons we arranged this discussion was to help spread the word about the many opportunities that are out there. Brennan, you are still currently a student. You're almost finished your undergrad and you are already getting involved in the green economy. Any tips that you could share? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. I feel like I have very similar experiences uh, hearing from Kelsey and Sabrina in my own work and, and studies as well. So I study uh, resource and environmental management. When I, when I first started out in the environmental field, I think the biggest thing that I learned was that I wasn't just kind of beginning a career path. I really uh, became part of a movement that was like larger than myself and was 
integrated into a network of passionate people working towards a similar vision of a sustainable future. Um, so that includes like both other youth my age um, and also older generations that kind of had already paved the way in this field and who are um, usually more than willing to support and mentor young people who are just starting out. And I also learned that this is a huge growing field and there'll be only rising demand for these skills moving forward. There's so many more opportunities in like the private, nonprofit, public sectors than I had originally thought. Um, and yeah, for example, um, in my first three years at university, I pursued a lot of different co-op jobs, including with the city of Vancouver, helping to achieve their water conservation goals. I uh, essentially created my own position with an NGO to lead the creation of a climate change guide for industry association, associations. Uh, and I also worked for the federal government to help organize the World Circular Economy Forum this summer. So all of these positions are kind of incredibly unique and it just goes to show like the diversity of opportunities that are out there. And another thing I love so much about being in this field is that there are constantly new developments, new policies, new initiatives being brought forward, which directly apply to like both my work, my volunteering, um, and also my classes in school. So there are so many interconnections and um, there's really never a dull moment. And it's exciting to be working and studying in such a relevant and important field. Yeah, I mean, this general topic, I think inherently has a heaviness to it and that's deserved, but there really is a lot of excitement. And I don't know if that narrative, which is a very true narrative, gets as much press as it should. And we'll talk more about the opportunities that exist in various sectors and how we can better connect the dots. But there really is so much possibility happening right now. And we're on the precipice of so many exciting tipping points in various industries towards green jobs. That's partly why we're having this discussion is to contribute to this very true narrative that there is a lot of excitement now and on the precipice. So let's switch our focus to high school education. And Brennan, you've done a lot of work on this. The BCCIC's Green Jobs Toolkit for High School Career Educators poses the question, what green career and educational opportunities exist in Canada, and how can secondary school curricula better incorporate and profile these opportunities? So, since you've posed that question in the document, I will pose that question to you. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Yeah, so we, we started the project uh, this year. Um, and so the goal of the project is to, as you mentioned, create a green jobs toolkit for career education and planning professionals in high schools. Um, and the toolkit will include useful resources, tools, tips, and a compendium of green jobs and education pathways suitable to youth exploring career options in high schools. And of course, the overarching purpose is to increased the number of secondary students who learn about the viability of green jobs and uh, who then decide to pursue uh, environmental career pathways after high school. So um, the project is still underway. Uh, so we're, we're still kind of working out the full answers to that key research question you mentioned, but it will likely revolve around, first of all, incorporating more environmental work and volunteer placement options 
into high school work experience programs, for example, mm. with local environmental groups, NGOs, businesses, and, and other organizations. It'll also uh, involve uh, featuring a wide range of green career pathways at career fairs and like as guest speakers at events. Also pointing interested students towards resources and mentorship opportunities and relevant post-secondary programs that are environment focused and uh, the database that we're developing can can help with that. Um, also, it's important to focus on skill transferability and kind of highlighting what skills are most needed for the future of work in the environmental sector, since many of the green jobs of the future don't exist yet or are just emerging. And then a potential kind of later step for this project would be to try to embed green jobs into those like, mainstream career websites and like career search softwares to fully cover the extent of the green jobs that are out there. Um, for example, when I went through high school just a few years ago, the main green jobs I knew about were urban planner and environmental field technician, because those were the only two that came up when I plugged in my environmental interests into the career search software that we use. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so all in all, I think this project can have a big impact. And I guess for like a bit of context, the reason we focused on high schools for this project is because that's really the, the moment where young people, like for better or for worse, decide what the next step in their life will be. Yep. And that's kind of, that's kind of a terrifying decision to make. Um, <laughs> not only because it will like set the course of your career, but also because, you know, we're living in a climate emergency, uh, which is getting worse every year. Students don't necessarily know how to best set themselves up for an impactful career. They don't know how the job market will look in five to 10 years. And as of right now, a lot of students aren't necessarily getting the guidance they need to figure all of that out. So yeah, that's, that's kind of why I see a huge role for career educators in high schools to help students explore the broad array of green jobs that are out there um, and the multitudes of, of career and education pathways that can lead you to one. And not only is that necessary to build the workforce of trained professionals um, that we need to help fight climate change, but it also just simply leads to more meaningful work and fulfilling careers for young people. Um, because sometimes, you know, young people might feel like they can't do change making as a career. And then it's only kind of outside of work in volunteer roles where you can do that. Um, and I think everyone needs to realize that you can, in fact, have an incredibly large impact through your career, um, even at a young age. Yeah, I mean, making an impact is not a unicorn. It's very real. It's very grounded. And not, not to pick on unicorns, National Mammal of <laughs> Scotland, fun fact. Um, anything else you want to add on top of that, uh, Kelsey? Yeah, first off, Brennan, thank you for sharing. I think your perspectives on this are are great to hear and I love hearing about your work and what you're focusing on. I think you're right, it's completely needed and something that you touched on that I think has really integrated into my work is that transferable skills piece and something that I've been really sort of noodling, I guess, is like 
as a young person and, and looking for guidance, often we don't even really know what skills are needed or what the names of them are, or you know, even having the language to search for these types of things. And I think like before, before my role at Efficiency Canada, I was in schools with Green Schools Nova Scotia, and we would do these workshops with kids around green careers and give them examples of jobs. And I remember we, we did this bingo activity and the, the students had to like name some of their interests and then they were matched with a real professional that had this sort of green career. And this one individual was kind of like, he flipped over his page to get the profile and it was really long. And he kind of went like, oh, I don't want to <laughs> read this. And by the end, he ended up getting profiled with this individual that had like a field, she did field work and a lot of her, her work was outside and she got to work with like different species. And, and by the end of it, he was, you know, did you guys know you could get a job to like, you know, look at turtles and and like, just couldn't even (laughs) believe like, and And I mean, that was more of like one that I thought might be obvious, you know, you think green job, you think the environment, you think you can work outside, but it it was very, it was always interesting to hear like sort of where they were starting at. So I do think that it's, it's great to, to hear what you're working on and, and I'll leave it at that because I think what you said was fabulous. I actually know some people who have had jobs where they were researching turtles and they were pretty (laughs) happy in their work. Yeah. (laughs) Anything you want to add, Sabrina? Yeah, I mean, I just, I feel so proud of you, Renan. Like, I remember when I was also in the early phases of my research, we first connected and you folks hadn't even really fully got into this uh, project yet. Um, so it's amazing to see how far you've gone since then. And yeah, I, I just really resonate with so many things. Like, when I, I was reflecting on this, I remember that one of the only courses I took in high school, uh, other than like, you know, in science class, related to environment uh, was a sustainability 11 course. And this course was offered through the Vancouver school board uh, to anyone in the Vancouver school board, but it was like off uh, timetable. So it was like, I would do my classes like nine to five or sorry, nine to three at my own high school. And then I'd get on the bus to go over to another high school to do this class from like four to five thirty or something. Um, and the, you know, you had to apply and only 30 people could come because it was open to anybody in the school board. And uh, it was really amazing. But I was like thinking, like, why did I have to go through all these hoops to be able to take this kind of course, you know, and it was a really great experience for me. And I just hope that we can have things like that more commonly offered to high school students. I would really love to see that. Absolutely. And again, it's just connecting dots to opportunities that already exist. Hey, it's Ian. I'm just here to let you know about two of our newest books, Teaching Kids About Climate Change and Teaching Teens About Climate Change. Each one is kind of like an educator's toolbox with ready-to-use hands-on lessons focused on four core dimensions of climate change. Visit greenteacher.com to get your copies. We also have special rates available for bulk orders, and all proceeds go back into the nonprofit. Some people believe that dwelling on the past is a pointless exercise. And while that is true in some cases, critically examining the past can be an invaluable part of orienting ourselves toward a meaningful future. This next question is kind of the coulda, woulda, shoulda question, and you've each somewhat touched on it about sort of what you wish you had been taught. And I guess an extension of this is 
What are the essentials that educators and counselors need to know about helping youth explore the environmental field? Start with Kelsey. What came up for me with this question was kind of thinking back to my experience being a high school student. I really loved like wood shop. I was looking at get, getting into the trades and pretty quickly I was, you know, like, oh, but you're, you're a girl and you have straight A's. Like, I don't, that doesn't really make sense for you. And I think I wish that I was advised differently. Um, I went as far as doing like a co-op where I was on site doing like finished carpentry and I really loved it. And I think it's, it's kind of ironic that now I'm, I'm working for Efficiency Canada building a career hub to really encourage youth to get into the trades, um, which I don't think is a coincidence. I think, you know, it really Mm -hmm. sat with me that, um, it wasn't seen as a viable path for me for several reasons. And, and I think, I think what I, what I hope is that sort of narrative begins to shift and that we start to understand like the, the impact of these jobs and, and, and the importance of having diversity in the sector. So, yeah, I think that's sort of what came up for me. I don't think it fully answers the question, but I think, um, it's definitely an important piece and sort of has driven me to my, what I do now. So. Well, absolutely. Like it's no secret that there is this narrative that certain jobs are for certain people and that's it. And it's a very tired narrative. And I've certainly had lots of lunchtime and water cooler type discussions talking about the problem with this narrative. And I hope this discussion continues that, these boxes that we place people in really are not helpful. Right, right. I agree. Sabrina, what do you wish you had been taught or what should educators and career counselors know about helping youth explore the environmental field? Yeah, I feel like there is a lot to say. I think what I'm about to say might seem a bit uh, unconventional, but really I was actually thinking about it. So I I went to a high school that was arts focused and I was in the stream for theater and literary arts. And so for a long time when I was, you know, a kid and then in high school, I actually thought I would be an actress. Like I thought that was going to be my career path. And in around grade 10, I became involved in climate organizing and learning about climate change. And so by the time I graduated high school, I was pretty sure I would give up that dream because to me, that's like, that's not going to make an impact. I need to do something more intense. I need to go to university. I need to blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, either go through science or policy some way to like impact climate action. And while I don't regret my choices, I do wish that someone had told me about the ways that art can have an impact on uh, Mm -hmm. social movements and the environmental movement. And that's been something I've really been exploring now. I was lucky to be part of this amazing research project uh, called called Restoring Climate Just Futures. And we basically um, helped form a collective of uh, racialized artists and activists in Mi'kma'ki, which is uh, Nova Scotia and parts of uh, Newfoundland and New Brunswick, to basically create an online symposium of artwork looking at what an alternative or decolonized climate just future could look like. And these were gorgeous pieces, like some of them were visual, some of them were um, sound, some of them were movement pieces that were videotaped, really looking at the role of art in creating social change. And it really can speak to people's values. But I think the reason I bring this up right now 
is because again, it goes back to my point that there's so many different roles in the environmental movement. And I think artists can, you know, being an artist can be a green job. And I, I just think that that's the kind of out of the box thinking we need to think about because we don't need just, um, you know, the infrastructure. We also need the capacity to even envision a better future. And art can really help us with that. And full disclosure, I have a theater degree. <laughs> so there you go. It's so true because if we're envisioning a different future, if we don't have something to show people, it's much more difficult to believe that it is possible. And sometimes the stories we tell are incredibly powerful because it gives us something to reference. Say, well, this mm -hmm. is what we can do. And we are seeing that in many of the arts. I mean, the, the field of cli-fi has just taken off. And a lot of it is very heavy and sort of looking at this Mad Max kind of future. But some of it is not. Some of it is looking at a future where we kind of figured things out. Mm -hmm. There aren't as many of those, mind you, but they're out there. And if we can future cast with this hopeful, sustainable future, it's a lot easier to envision it happening. Brennan, anything else you wish you had gotten from your high school experience? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, but yeah, those are so many great points. And that, that really is the message I think that we should be giving. There is no one path to an impactful career or a green job. Yeah, I don't have that much to add. I guess just to sum up my earlier response is that I guess I wish I had been given more information about green careers and impact jobs in high school and um, given opportunities for work experience in, in those roles. In, in my own experience, I kind of had to do a lot of the, the digging and the research myself, which is kind of difficult when, when you're like a 15 or 16 year old and don't know <laughs> Uh, what's out there or, or where to start. Hi there. You might recognize my voice from such podcasts as the one you're listening to right now. Speaking of podcasts, Green Teacher is involved in another one. It's called Earthy Chats. And you know what? How about I let my co-host Jade Harvey Barrel tell you the rest? Take it away, Jade. Thanks, Ian. Hello, all. Indeed, we'd love for you to join us for Earthy Chats our new podcast where we've come together to spend time picking the brains of the brightest and best in environmental education. Like busy bees, we'll be cross-pollinating ideas across our range of interests and knowledge bases to give you the inside scoop on what's new, who's doing it, and how you can do it too. All of the experts featured on the show have resources available Canada-wide in the Outdoor Learning Store. That's Canada's non-profit outdoor resource store. You can check out the range of educator and student resources available at www.outdoorlearningstore.ca. So whether you're a teacher, educator, parent, or just a general nature geek, there'll be something for you to sink your teeth into. Did I cover everything there, Ian? Definitely. Thanks, Jade. So yeah, Earthy Chats. Check it out on your favorite podcast app. The panel spent a lot of time discussing the role of post-secondary education in preparing youths for green jobs. Here's the beginning of that portion of the round table. So moving on to post-secondary education, we've talked a lot about STEM 
And obviously there are some very important green jobs that do require STEM skills, but not all of them do. What other fields beyond STEM can prepare youths for green jobs? Start with Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, I, I love what Sabrina just shared about, you know, the impact that art can have in terms of having green jobs. So I think that that's worth echoing. But then when I think about maybe my own path, like my I've had a green job, like straight out of school and sort of they've always been more of the non-technical route. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I think about what that means for me, I think the skills that I ended up learning were sort of hosting skills and how to um, facilitate and how to really, I guess, create spaces for some of these difficult conversations that are required to get to the you know desired future that we all sort of are working towards. And so, yeah, I think, I think like sort of facilitation, hosting groups, hosting conversations is really a, a meaningful path and kind of is a nice way to get into more of the non-technical side um, and something that I've really enjoyed sort of integrating into my roles. For sure. And Sabrina, you've talked about the arts field. Anything else you want to add on top of that of ways to make a difference beyond STEM? Yeah, I think, I mean, having a a Bachelor of Arts in International Development, I'm a big fan of interdisciplinary programs. I was lucky in my program, I got to take anthropology, sociology, political science, so many different, um, you know, subjects. Uh, But like any of those subjects can have an environmental uh, focus, which is something they don't really tell you. Um, I remember in second year at Capilano University, I took environmental anthropology. And I was like, wow, there's a whole, there's a whole subset where you can just study how humans relate to their environment. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, so, so cool. And I think the really important thing about interdisciplinary programs is that when you're out in the workforce, you're rarely ever just doing one thing. Uh, people want, uh, you know, to hire folks that can balance a lot of different priorities who have like kind of um, different skills. They might be like a Jack or, Jack or Jill of all trades um, that they know, yeah, they know how to talk to people. I think what Kelsey said around facilitation is so important, critical thinking skills, stuff like that, that I think you really can often get with a social sciences degree. Um, and so that's why I'm always like, don't, don't, don't undervalue those. And in addition to like fine arts, as I mentioned, communications, graphic design, like those are, you know, programs where you can actually get a very good green job helping an organization with their communications and social media. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there. Anything you want to add on top of that, Brennan? I, yeah, I just want to echo exactly. I think anything interdisciplinary is the best because particularly if you don't know exactly what type of green job you want to do. Uh, For example, I'm in the Faculty of Environment at Simon Fraser University, which is very interdisciplinary in the sense that it takes ideas and perspectives from all fields and all disciplines in order to help students better understand a particular problem and like the possible solutions to it. So I've been exposed to, uh, you know, the policymaking side of things, planning the more technical and engineered solutions, economics, law, the business perspective, um, and so many others. And, And that's important because of course, like the problems we face are, as a society, are, are wicked problems, which means that there's no one solution in any one discipline that will fix it. So um, it, it will take a group effort and it helps when 
people have perspectives from more than just one discipline to really see the big picture. Right. Mm -hmm. In the second half of the roundtable, the panel continued their discussion about post-secondary education, while also looking at government-funded programs and the growing number of opportunities in the private sector. Stay tuned! Talking with Green Teachers is co-hosted by Ian Shanahan and me, Sofia Vargasnesi. Ian is the show's writer and editor. Logo design is by Devin Terian. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes to get instant access to each new episode. If you really like the show, give us a rating too. We can also be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us in this episode. We'll chat again soon. Here's a sneak peek at what's to come in part two. Every person should be equipped with that knowledge and the skill sets to succeed in a rapidly changing job market and kind of understand how climate change impacts their One work. Of the big reasons I talk about that, you know, how certain youth are not able to access the environmental field is because these are the same youth that often face barriers to getting education in the first Leaving place. Leaving my post-secondary education, I didn't have a clear understanding of the structures I was going into, nor did I feel like I had the skills to start a project from scratch. I think it's a call to action that the institution of university is also maybe a bit tired and mm -hmm. we need to kind of get up with the time. The green job sector, we mentioned it already, like there's jobs and jobs and jobs that are coming that don't even exist. Thing that's very interesting is uh, entrepreneurship that's happening around the sustainable development goals. It's really exciting and pretty much every major business now has like job positions related to sustainability, regardless if they're an environment focused company or not.